Hola. ¿Cómo estás? Fun fact, I speak Spanish now. Un poquito español. All right, let me get this shared out and we'll get started. Bear with me, y'all come on in. Come on in the room. I know without a shadow of a doubt that you will be blessed today by this word because I was blessed by this word. Y'all can see my back. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, more options. Share to feed. And boom. Okay, I'm here. Sorry about that. I don't want y'all to have to look at my, my back the whole time. Lord, let me make sure my blue don't have sound like I did last time. All right, I think we're in the building. Y'all come on in. If you're here, leave a comment to let me know that you're here, that you can hear me. Um, I have a firework today. I'm so excited. Oh, you know, I've gotten to a place now where I'm not going to say daily because God knows I'm not perfect at it. But as often as I feel led and try to think about it, I just ask God for wisdom for the day, for wisdom for a situation I'm going through. Um, and he never fails to deliver like point blank period, exactly what I need, exactly what I'm going through, even for others. I'll have a confirmation of the word because someone will call me and share a situation they're in. And lo and behold, it's the exact same thing that God had given me for the day. So if you need wisdom and direction in your life, I'm just going to preface this with seek his word. Like, I think I got caught up for so long in this place of like trying to, I don't know, reach some kind of heavenly space, come out of my body into the heavenly realms. And I'm not saying people don't do that. I'm not saying it's not possible, but where God's voice has been the loudest and the clearest to me in this season has been in his word. If he speaks something to me in his still small voice, I will say, confirm it in your word, Lord, and he will lead me to a scripture that will speak exactly to my situation. Reading the word, not only does it give us direction, not only is it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, but it is also something that washes our mind. So when the enemy comes in and tries to keep us all up in here, all confused, all distressed, any feeling that you feel that does not line up with the fruit of the spirit is the enemy. So if you are worried, that is the enemy. If you're in fear, that is the enemy. God will come in with his word and completely wash your mind and get you thinking upon the things that you should be thinking about and give you the strategy to come against those thoughts that the enemy is trying to fight you with. So I just want to preface that, that if you are someone who is looking for direction and that is why you're even led to come onto this live today, consult God's word. His word is true. It will light up your path. So with all that being said, today we're going to talk about God and how he orders our steps, okay? And so one thing that I 
really just had gotten kind of a, a stumbling block for me was thinking that there was something that I could do to either mess up the plan of God for my life or something I could not do. Like I was missing something because I haven't done an action that was supposed to bring forth the plan of God in my life. And in those thought processes, I will tell you what is happening. The enemy is trying to get you into your own efforts because for some reason, somewhere, the enemy has come in and lied to you and made you feel like that there was an action that you had to do in order for God to order your steps. But actually what the word of God says clearly in Proverbs 16 and 9, that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now I'm talking about a somebody. I, I want to make very clear who I'm speaking to today so that people don't come on this live and think, oh, well, they're talking to me and that means I can do whatever I want and God's just going to order my steps. I'm talking to a person right now who is seeking the Lord for, for direction in their life. If you are here, more than likely that's what you're doing because you want God to tell you, where am I going in life, God? What is my purpose? What is the meaning to all of this? Why have I been under so much fire? Why does it seem like I can never catch a break? I need to know where my life is heading. I don't have clear direction. And if that is you and you truly want to hear from the Lord on what his direction for your life is, then I can tell you that sometimes he will not give you the full direction. Sometimes he will not give you the full picture because he is wanting you to rest in his ability that he can bring it to pass in your life. He is ordering your steps. And so there have been months where I cried out to God, God, show me my purpose, show me my destiny. And the Bible is also very clear that he will give us wisdom when we ask for it. And he will reveal to his friends, the prophets, right? You see all over the word of God where he says, I will make it plain to you. But there is a place where that making it plain comes from. And it is by resting in God and his ability and seeking and searching his spirit and his word for that revelation. You're not just going to have this. Okay, I just have a knowing that this is going to be what this is. And I don't even need to ask God. You know, I've just known my whole life that I was meant to do this and I'm not even going to ask God about it. You know what? That is a prerequisite for the enemy to come in and bring deception because a lot of the ways that the enemy brings deception is through our flesh and through pride, thinking we have it all figured out and we don't even need God's help on the matter. But the truth of the matter is there is nothing that we can do without him. And so if you are somebody who is in a place where you know that God has a plan for your life. And if you don't know that, then I would ask you to consult Jer Jeremiah 29, 11, because he says in his words, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans for a hope and a future. So if you are someone who came on this live today and you feel like your life is over and you feel like you are attempted to end your own life because you don't feel like it has meaning. I'm here to tell you that God fashioned and formed you with a plan for your life and he knows your future. And if you would just trust him with ordering your steps, you would see that plan come to pass. Now, Proverbs 19:21 says there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. 
The message version of this, this verse I want to read to you because it's very, very good. It says, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. Can I tell you that in his purpose, in his plan, that he uses some vessels as a vessel of honor and some vessels as a vessel of dishonor. That's why it was fully in God's plan to have Pharaoh bring Israel, God's children, into captivity. And it was fully in his plan to harden Pharaoh's heart to not release them. Why? Because once the children of Israel would be released, they would see the fullness of what God really freed them from. All of it worked together for the children of Israel's good. So there are times where things that are not so good will happen. Some of them by our choices because we are disobedient to the Lord. Some of them by, you know, the enemy's deception. He's come in and he's deceived us somehow. But what I can tell you is that the counsel of the Lord will stand. And that means what he says in his word shall come to pass. For his word says that he is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he would repent. But he will do what he said he will do. He cannot lie. So if his counsel says it, his word says it, it shall come to pass. Even when it tarries. There was a moment where Moses came to the Lord and he said, Lord, you said you were going to free the Israelites. But here we are and they are still in captivity. And in fact, they are suffering even more because I have stood up and spoken to the Pharaoh. So is this your salvation? Moses says to God, is this how you save them? What am I supposed to tell your people? He says, tell them that I'm going to make good on my word and I'm going to free them. And when Moses went back and told the children of Israel this, they didn't believe him. <coughs> Why? Because their circumstances said differently. God is trying to get you as his warrior for his kingdom to raise up into your circumstances. Don't dictate what you know your God can do. You're not going to go by the slavery that you've been enslaved to. You owe money. You're in debt. Well, guess what? You don't have to go by the fact that you're enslaved to someone's debt, but you can go by the word of the Lord who said, I paid your debt on the cross. You're in a hard situation right now. I'm telling you what, the enemy has tried his hardest to come in and take your faith away. The enemy has tried his hardest. And I can't help it but to think that maybe part of what we've been experiencing is kind of like a Job moment where even though you have faith and you have been righteous, you have stood on what God says. And you're sitting here thinking, what have I done, Lord? Because I'm pretty sure I've walked your ways. I'm pretty sure I've kept your statutes, but yet I'm still being afflicted. And you're sitting here wondering what is going on. But the Lord is ultimately allowing the affliction to bring forth a purpose in your life. And in fact, once he says that's enough, you cannot afflict this person anymore, Satan. Then guess what? Restoration, double restoration is coming for your life. You might be like a David who knowingly disobeyed God, who did things he knew was not right, tried to cover it up and then ultimately turned to God and repented. And David was at one point so sorry that he said, Lord, I understand why you're punishing me, 
but please don't punish the other people involved. These people, it wasn't their sin, it was my sin. And God still had mercy on David and still brought him into a place of deliverance. So I'm here to tell you that no matter what situation you have found yourself in, even if it's your fault, or even if it's not your fault, your job is to go to God and to ask him for counsel because the counsel of the Lord will stand. Your job is to go to him and repent for the things he reveals to you that you've done wrong. Some of you don't even need revelation of what you've done wrong. You know what you're doing wrong. And you need to go to God and repent and rest in his ability and his salvation to turn things around for you. Who I'm, I'm hyped up today. If I get a little wild on this live, it's because I'm really stirred this morning. Psalms 33, 10 through 11 says, The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. What does that mean? That means somebody who's really wise, who runs a whole nation, can come to you and say, this is the way things are. This is the law. And this is how things are run. And I'm going to counsel you in this matter. But can I tell you that God ultimately is the one who's the beginning and the end. He's the one that writes your story. So even if it looks like the enemy has all his chips stacked against you and he has legal right to do it because you have offended, you are the offender, you have broken the law. Jesus Christ came in and killed the law. So all you have to do is turn to Jesus and submit your life to him. Repent for your old life. Say, Jesus Christ, I receive your salvation. Last week, the Lord had me doing a whole study on salvation and what that looks like. And I've always known Jesus is the salvation, right? Like you have to just say Jesus is Lord. You have to repent for your sins wholeheartedly and receive Jesus and believe in him that he paid for your sins and you don't have to pay for them anymore. And that is salvation for you. That means you have not only a seat in your heavenly home, but you also can bear the kingdom in this earth. But lately the Lord has been revealing salvation even deeper to me. And what exactly that means. And one of the stories he showed me was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And when Jesus told Zacchaeus that he was going to his house to fellowship with him, the religious people were actually mad because they were like, he is a sinner. How dare you go and fellowship with him? And Zacchaeus started spouting out things to make him look better. Lord, I gave to the poor. And if I falsely accused anyone, I, I, I paid it back. I repented for it and I paid it back. And Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, salvation is coming to your house today. Now, I was meditating on that the other day because I thought, well, Lord, why did he start talking about his good works, right? Because that's what religion teaches you. Religion teaches you it is by your good works that you even receive God's help. But Jesus came to save the lost. That's what he told Zacchaeus. It wasn't by his good works that Jesus gave him the gift of salvation. He came to Zacchaeus' house because he chose to save the lost. And I'm here to tell you that someone, including the enemy, has lied to you your whole life and told you that you don't deserve the gift of grace, that you don't deserve the gift of salvation. And God is telling you through this message today, you do. You only deserve it because he decided to give it to you freely, 
You don't have to pay him back. You don't have to go and work your whole life to try to earn God's favor. God gave us favor when he gave us Christ. Now we have a mandate to go and make disciples out of all men. And how do we make disciples out of all men? We share the goodness of God because it is by the goodness of God that we are led to repentance. One thing that I've noticed as a pattern in the Christian world, and I'm including myself in this because when I first started believing in Christ and coming back to him, I was so bound in shame and condemnation that I spent my hardest efforts trying to prove to God that it was worth it. I would even sing to God worship songs like, God, I want you to know that you dying on the cross for me was worth it. I'm going to show you that I was worth it. And I went into this proving myself. And a lot of Christians are guilty of it. If you're saying you're not, go back to prayer closet and ask the Lord about it because we all are. And what we do is we receive the gift of grace and then we turn around and spew all of the shame and condemnation that we have not yet released onto others. Well, you need to do A, B, and C, and D to get your life right. And the Lord has really spoken to me in this area that it is not how we minister to others. These people out here that need Jesus, you think they're going to come running because you're looking at them saying, you're addicted to drugs, you're having sex before marriage. You think they're going to come running because you're basically allowing the enemy to use your mouth and your thoughts to confirm to them what the enemy is already saying to them. The enemy's already telling them they're not good enough. The enemy's already telling them they're nasty. The enemy's already telling them that they'll never receive God's fullness of his grace because they've messed up too bad. And you're going to let the enemy use your mouth to say the same thing to them? No. Now, if we need to sharpen each other and bring correction to each other as already believers, then that's what we do. Because it is our job to keep each other in check. It is our job to make sure we don't fall. You know, Paul was speaking to the church and there was someone in the church who had committed adultery with someone in his family. It was a gross situation. The enemy came in and had his deception all up in that mess. And Paul wrote to this church and said, kick him out of the church. If he's not going to repent from his ways and he's not going to stop what he's doing, kick him out. And I've always heard this story and it kind of justified in me that I am okay to bring correction to people and tell them you can't be doing that or you can't be in God's good graces, right? But if you read a couple chapters later, Paul actually comes back and rewrites these people. All right, now it's time for you to bring him back in. Now it's time for you to show him grace and love. He's, he's walked out his path long enough. The enemy has wreaked havoc on his life long enough. And now it is time for you to show him the gift of God's grace. Now it is time for you to show him the love of God. Because it is the love of God that brings people to repentance. So we have to be careful when we're speaking of people who are not in Christ how we handle them. We don't get to go to them and start picking their lives apart because the enemy is already doing that. We don't get to go to our husbands and start picking him apart because the enemy is already doing that. You don't think the enemy's up in his head and his ear daily telling him he'll never be man enough to lead his family? You don't think that the enemy's already telling him you'll never be good enough to get promoted in your job? Look at you. You can't even do this. You, can't, you don't think the enemy's talking to him about that? 
And we need to be using our mouths and our words and our actions to affirm and confirm what God says to them. Because God says that you will love your wife like Christ loved the church. And God says that you will lead your home along God, alongside God. And God says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in God's law. And on God's law does he meditate day and night. For he is like the tree that is planted by the streams of water, who bears his fruit in season. His leaf will not wither and everything he does shall prosper. When we're talking about our children, don't you think the enemy's already telling them You'll never get your mom's approval. You'll never get God's approval. You're just a mess up. You might as well just go ahead and live your life, your best life. You don't think the enemy's trying to confuse them on their identity? Try to tell them that there's something they're not? Hello? You don't think the enemy's all up in their head telling them? You could try all you want to, but you know your mom's never going to approve of what you do. You can try all you want to, but they don't really love you. Because you've messed up too many times. How can they love someone like you? So we as mothers to our children need to say to our children that we shall raise them up in the way that they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And we shall say to them, no matter what the enemy brings your way, no matter what weapon he forms against you, it will not prosper. But every weapon the enemy tries to form, not only will it not prosper, but it will ultimately work for your good. Because the Bible says that everything meant for your harm, God will use it for your good. Because you are called and you have a purpose. And God formed you in your mother's womb. And he knew you when you were in my tummy, child. We need to be using our gift. The gift of grace, the gift of salvation, the gift of song, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching to build up our children, to build up our families. I had such a moment with God earlier because I was getting ready for this live and I started feeling this welling up, this song welling up in me, right? And I've been listening to this song. It's... um. Oh gosh, I don't remember his name. I know Jenny Weaver's in it. And it's called Get Up. It's a song they wrote based off of 1 Kings 19. And it talks about this place where Elijah's laying out and he's like basically given up. Jezebel has been coming for him and he's like, Lord, you've left me. I'm the only prophet left standing on your word. And he's laying in this cave and he's depressed and he's upset. And the Lord takes him out of the cave. He, he tells him to come out and he feeds him and he, and he sustains him and he strengthens him. And ultimately he tells him, it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to get up and move on. I have things I have to do for you, right? So I'm listening to the song and it's stirring me up in my belly because it's like really just speaking to my spirit, man. Like it's time for you to raise up, right? And as I'm listening to it, I start having these words coming to me. And it just talked about God and how he is the lion of Judah and how he roars over us. See, when we talk about God ordering our steps, we're resting in his ability, right? We can't fix it. 
I had a situation come up today. Well, I was talking to my friend, first of all, and she had a situation. And I was like, you've got to stop putting your own efforts into this. In fact, you're just making it messier because you're trying to put your own thoughts, your own actions, your own words into this. And you have to rest in God's ability, in God's word. And then suddenly a, a situation was reminded to me in my life where it involves people. It involves companies. And I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to go to war with these folks. I'm ready to call them up and say, listen here, this isn't right. And if you don't fix it, then I'm going to take matters into my, and I started really just warring in the flesh. And after I got off the phone with my husband, because we were talking about it, I said, Lord, I'm doing it again. I'm going in my own effort, but I know that you are the one who fights for me. And so I started singing this song about the lion of Judah. And I just started saying, Lion of Judah, roar. Lion of Judah, roar. Roar over my family. Roar over my children. Roar over my finances. Roar over my husband. Roar, roar, roar. And this powerful song starts coming out, right? And I'm in the shower at this point. I'm still singing and I'm still going. I'm still, I'm, I'm just going in doing spiritual warfare in the song of the Lord. What I'm, what am I doing? I'm saying, God, I can't roar over the situation, but you can. And there was one part of the song that went, devil, you don't have to worry about me. You have to worry about the God of angel armies. And I started just putting the fight in God's hand. I started putting my words to exalting him because me and myself is nobody. I could lift all the weights in the world. I could get all the stamina in my natural temple that I could work for. And it is still no match for the enemy. But God is the match. In fact, it's still no match for him. Because all the Lord has to do is blow a word in my direction and all of my enemies fall. And that is the point that you need to get to. And so as I'm in my shower and I'm singing this, I hear my son. And he sounded like a little wolf, <laughs> but he was roaring with me. And he was going, oh, oh, oh. And I said, my God, look what one moment where I release my efforts to God. And I surrender and I say, God, you order my steps. You fight for me. Now my child is following in my footsteps. Our children as a nation are under attack. The enemy doesn't want to see them come into who they are. He wants to confuse them. He wants to make them think that they're something they're not. He wants to make them think they're not good enough, that they'll never be good enough. He's having them confuse their genders and their identities. But God has a plan for their life. And it doesn't matter what weapon the enemy tries to bring against them. He will get the victory over their life. Why? Because he has people like you and me that are not only warring over our children, but are warring over this nation. Because all we have to do is stand up for truth. And know that it is God who fights for us. That precious baby was doing warfare. And he's four years old.
And so you've got to be sensitive in the spirit and you have to listen to God's leading and you have to leave it in God's hands. I was ready to call up that company, lay them out, tell them what I was fitting to do. And the Lord said, are you fighting this battle or am I? I was ready to get frustrated with my husband and try to tell him what he needed to do. And the Lord said, are you fighting this battle? Is Jason fighting this battle or am I? And I would say the same thing to you today. Are you letting God order your steps? Are you resting in his ability? I'm going to bring up this other scripture too, because I brought out that song and I was singing it. Let me skip down to here. Okay, so Psalms 37 and 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. This is David talking in Psalms. And he's saying that I have walked through a lot of things. And not one time have I seen a righteous man forsaken. Do you know how the Bible defines righteousness? Faith. A lot of people try to say that they're righteous by their behavior. Oh, I don't sin anymore. That makes me righteous. No, you are made righteous by faith in what Christ did for you. The other day I was riding down the road and the enemy was really trying to beat me up over condemnation again. And he was trying to say, you know, how can you even ask God to help you with some of these situations when some of them are because of what you did, because of choices you made? And I started having this song burst forth and it said, judge me. But judge me by his blood. Judge me. But judge me by his crown. Judge me. But judge me by his nail-scarred hands. You are righteous because Christ made you righteous. Now I want to make this very clear to anybody who might watch this. Don't you go trying to do spiritual warfare if you don't have Christ in your life. You'll be like those men who try to claim Jesus and try to claim Paul, but they were not from Jesus. They did not have Jesus with them. And what happens? The demons beat them up because they were like, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but you, I do not. And they beat their tails. You need Jesus Christ in your life. And once you accept him and you confess with your mouth, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my sins. I'm telling you that I will do my best not to walk in that sinful nature anymore. I declare that you are the son of God, Jesus Christ, and you are Lord over my life. And you have faith in who he is. And that's it. Now you can rest in his blood that covered you. Now you can rest. We're in uh, the week of Easter. You can rest in the work of the cross. Now I'm going to keep going. I wanted to read that last one because it says that the Lord upholds you even when you fall. And it also says that your descendants will not beg for bread. Now this is David. David's descendant was Solomon. Solomon was the wealthiest man that they had ever seen. And the reason he was wealthy is because he sought the counsel of God. So here you have David and now we're getting ready to skip over to some of the things in Proverbs. We, we started out with Proverbs. That's Solomon that writes Proverbs. So you have David declaring this and you have Solomon declaring this. This is a perfect picture of why it's important as parents to instill these things into our children and, te- and train our children up in the way that they should go. Now, if you're someone 
who your children are grown and you feel like maybe you've dropped the ball in this area, do not let condemnation overtake you. It is not too late for your kids. You get your life right, you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you start seeking the Lord for divine strategy on what you do as their mother to pray over them and to instill God into them. For Samuel 2 and 9, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. What does that mean? That means your physical efforts will not win the war. You have to rest in the ability of God, rest in the shadow of his wings. Psalms 40 and 2, and actually I want you to take some time to read all of Psalms 40. It is the most beautiful picture of God's grace. But Psalm 40 and 2 said, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. If you're here on live or replay, the Lord has led you here to give you hope. That even if you find yourself in a miry pit, miry is like mud, but it's worse than mud. It is a mixture of dirt and water that almost is like quicksand. So when you're in there, you can't get out of it. You're stuck in it. One example of mire, someone being thrown into a miry pit was Jeremiah. He stood up and said the word of the Lord and people threw him into a miry pit. There was no water to sustain him. There was no food. He was forgotten about. But God made a way and had someone come and pull him out of this pit and release him. David is someone who talks about being in the miry pit because there were some decisions that David did that caused him to be in disobedience that ultimately had him walking into troubles. But even God had grace on him, even though he failed, even though he fell, God had grace on him and pulled him out of it. So whether you're in there because you're being persecuted or whether you're in there because you've been disobedient, the Lord is here to speak to you today to tell you that he is pulling you out of that place. Psalm 69 and 2 and then verse 14. I sink in deep mire. This is David talking again. Where there is no standing, I have come into deep waters. What does the Bible say? If you're in the deep waters, God will be with you. Where the floods overflow me, deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. One of the verses in between 2 and 14 says that David admitted he was a sinner, right? And he asked the Lord not to allow his wrath to fall upon others because of his sin. And then he said, in the acceptable time, Hear my prayer. I'm here to tell somebody that there's still time for you to pray and ask God for his deliverance. There's still time for you to surrender everything to God and let him fight for you. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. He's telling you, repent and cry out to me and watch you get saved. Watch the salvation of God come to your life. He's a merciful God. Whew. Let me see what else I got over here. Proverbs 20, 24, a man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? The spirit of man is the lamp of 
searching all the inner depths of his heart. Okay, so here's what I was trying to say at the beginning of this video. There were a few times where the enemy really came in and made me fearful to think that making a wrong move would mess up my destiny and my purpose. That not making a move would mess up my destiny and my purpose. And if you have any type of fear, if you feel like I'm not doing something right, what does that sound like? When someone says, oh, you've done this, that's accusation. Accusation comes from the enemy. When someone says you're operating out of this certain spirit, that's accusation. Accusation comes from the enemy. When someone says you're gonna miss it because you're not aligned properly, that is instilling fear. Fear comes from the enemy. There is a place that God is trying to get you to where you seek the Lord and the Lord alone and that you understand that his salvation comes only from him, that his help comes only from him, that his ways come only from him, your deliverance only from him, your healing only from him, your restoration only from him. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from opportunity. It doesn't come from anything that the enemy is trying to keep you stuck in fear and accusation over. It comes from God and God alone. And all you have to do is seek God, surrender your life to him, worship him. That song was worship. The song that God desires from your mouth is worship. He wants you to come before him, surrender yourself down before him and exalt him and let him know, I know God that only you can save me. I know God that only you can heal me. And some of us are like the woman with the issue of blood where we've tried everything else. We went to doctors, we tried natural remedies, we went to counseling, we tried medication and we're still wondering where's our salvation? And God says, it's in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You seek God and recognize that he has your healing. He has your deliverance. He has your salvation. He has your purpose. He has your future. And you lay everything else down. And I promise you, I know God will meet you in that place. He did me. And where he'll do it for one, he'll do it for any, any others. Oh... What man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So before you accept Christ, you have your own knowings and your own feelings about things. You, you have the spirit within you that, that searches yourself and you know things through that spirit, right? But then when you accept Christ, the Spirit of God moves inside of you and brings you into your new birth and your new creation. And when that happens, there is Spirit of God living inside of you that knows the things of God. And so all you have to do is quiet down your own mind, your own thoughts, your own ways, your own flesh, and commune with God. And that's where in the beginning I told you that if you want to know your future, you want to know your purpose get before God and let the Spirit of God show you reveal it to you and a lot of times for me that happens in his word why do you think the enemy has fought the word so hard 
people keep trying to negate it left and right, keep trying to discredit it. How I know the word is true is because every time I need help in my natural life, in this world, not in any crazy spiritual things, but in actual real life, I say, God, show me in your word how to help me. And every time he gives me a word for what I'm going through. How do I know it's true? Because every time I pray the word over my circumstances, I see the fruit of that word. Why? Because the Lord says that his word is like rain that comes from heavens, that it goes down to the earth and it waters and it brings forth vegetation. It does not return back up to heaven. It goes forth and it waters the earth and it brings forth the vegetation. His word is the same way. You need breakthrough in an area. You find your scripture that goes with your breakthrough. You start praying that scripture over your area of your life that you need to see the breakthrough and you wait on God to bring forth the increase. You don't bring forth the increase. No one else brings forth the increase. God brings forth the increase. All right. I think I'm good. I think we're good on what we all do here. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on God's word. I'm going to read this last thing. Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. This is Jeremiah speaking, prophet of God. The message version says, I know God that mere mortars, mortals can't run their own lives. That men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of life. It's God. You'll have some people out here teaching that you make, you create your life with your words. They're taking a biblical principle and they're perverting it. God's word will create things in your life. God's ability will do things in your life. The ability that he gifted for us to have through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the only reason we can partake in what God says we can have. It's because Jesus came in and made a way for that. Go back to church. Read your Bible. Seek the Lord. The enemy has had you bound long enough. And God said it is time, the acceptable time, for you to bring forth your prayer so that I can move in your life. And you start by surrendering your life to Christ and seeking the Lord. I love y'all. I hope y'all have a wonderful day.